the secret place, I seek to meet with you, God, face to face, where distractions disappear, and I hear your voice so clear, I can feel your presence linger in the air. As I lift my hands and enter in, my busy heart can start to rest, to beat in time again. For in this holy place, where Father, you and I embrace, your glory shines, refines, transforms my mind until I am not the same. For in your presence, I am always changed. With my arms lifted high in awe and wonder, I bow before your throne. Peace beyond all I've known as I rest here with you, my God alone. I'm lost for words. The ruler of the universe, the one who brings all things to pass, would converse with me as if I am the only one you see. And as I step outside this secret place, something follows a holy trace that emanates from deep within. A light that shines from where I've been that others might even catch a glimpse. Like the wonder of a shining star, see in my eyes a hint of who you are. Well, thank you so much. Great to be together. And why don't we put our hands together, welcome everybody watching online or in one of our other uh, campuses too. So can you believe we're already in September? I mean, where's the summer gone? Uh, I don't know about you, but I always love September. It's kind of a special month, partly because um, 37 years ago, Karen and I got married this September. So we're celebrating uh, this month. And also, 34 years ago, we started what has become Kingsgate Church. So happy birthday, everybody. Happy birthday, church. But the other thing I love about September is a sense of new beginnings. It's obviously a new school term, new school year. And so what we like to do every September is kind of prepare us for this whole new season, taking extra time out to seek the Lord and meet Him. And the sense we had this year in preparing was very much to, about uh, setting aside 21 days for encounter, for encountering God in new ways. Not about you, but I've encountered God in many different ways, in many different times and seasons of my life. Sometimes I've had what I call overwhelming encounters with the greatness and the power and the majesty and the holiness of God. Other times, though, it's been much, as it were, gentler, a sense of just the still small voice, a sense of the nearness and the dearness of his love. And that's the kind of season I'm in right now. Some of you may know, but just over a week ago, I had a phone call from my dad, who I've hardly ever heard crying. He was on the other end of the phone and just choking and basically to tell me that uh, my dear mum had uh, passed away. And, um, you know, just something about the, the grief that we all feel. I can honestly say that the only thing greater than that grief, as well as some wonderful memories, is the incredible sense of the nearness and dearness and the comfort of the Lord that I've been experiencing in this season. So I give glory to God for that. I'm so grateful and grateful to all of you for your prayers. And I say that not just to sort of share news, but I'm conscious that for a number of us here today, there may be different situations that 
are causing you a sense of grief or distress. Well, my prayer for you today is that over these 21 days, you will know the nearness and dearness of God, His comfort and His love breaking into your life and not necessarily immediately changing the circumstance, but coming and bringing joy and peace to your heart too. I also just sensed as I was driving in this morning that this is going to be a season, this next 21 days, of restoration. And it may be just even the legacy of the last two and a half years have left you maybe feeling a bit broken, a bit disappointed, even bitter. Well, I believe that as, as we position ourselves, God wants to come and he wants to, as it were, restore and bring a fresh sense of hope and joy to every one of our hearts. So... Wherever we're at, the good news is wherever we're at, whether you're in a tough season, maybe you're in a good season, maybe just in a busy and a stressful season, I believe that we can do something to position ourselves for fresh encounters with the Lord. The Lord is sovereign, he can break in at any time, but we have a part to play. The Bible says that as we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And so that's what these 21 days are about, us intentionally positioning ourselves to encounter the Lord in greater ways. And one of my favorite kind of passages on this is a, a, a church in the first century, church in Antioch. We see in Acts 13, they'd obviously dedicated themselves, like we're about to do, to a season of meeting with God. It says in Acts 13, verse 2, that this church, they dedicated themselves to a time of worshipping the Lord and fasting. Now, if you were around last week, a great message and something about the power, even what happens with our minds when we fast, it enables us to focus. And so here they are, they're worshipping the Lord with fasting. And in that season of um, worshipping the Lord, literally the word there for worship is ministered to. So what they're doing is they're not primarily coming to God to get things from God. Now, how many know God loves to answer prayer and he wants to bless us? Five of you. How many know God loves to bless us? <laughs> but, but there's times and seasons when, and, and this was the sense we had in preparing for these 21 days. We didn't want the focus first and foremost to be about that. We wanted this season, this 21 days, to be particularly about just us spending time with God because we want to bless him. Because he's good and he's great, and he's glorious. We want to, as it were, seek his face. But the good news is, as we do that, he will break in in ways that maybe we've never seen before. And that's what happened at Antioch. They're, they're just worshipping the Lord and fasting. They're ministering to him. God speaks. They act. They fast. They pray. They lay hands on a couple of the leaders, Paul and Barnabas, if you know the story. And that as it were, break out of God, that word of God, that moment changed history. And about you, how many be ready for God to um, meet with us in fresh ways and we respond that is going to change the trajectory of not just our lives, but other people's lives? Ready for that? So that's what we're believing God for, to help us then on this journey over the next 21 days. We're going to be looking at three Old Testament patterns of worship and encounter. We look at Moses' tabernacle, what's sometimes known as David's tent, and we're also going to look at Solomon's temple. Moses' tabernacle, David's tent, Solomon's temple. Today, I'm going to start with Moses' tabernacle. Bit of background, the children of Israel are in the wilderness, they've left Egypt. Moses goes up 
Mount Sinai has an encounter with God and God then gives him these instructions. You can find this in Exodus 25. It says this, God says, instruct the people to make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Now, a bit of theology here. You know that God is not confined by any place or any situation because he's omnipresent. But here, the omnipresent God says in a particular way, I want to dwell amongst my people. So he says, I want you to construct this tent, this tabernacle. Now, for those of you this is not familiar, we've got a little bit of kind of visuals here to help you. Firstly, an overview of the tabernacle as a whole. Um, first we have, um, it's got three parts there. You'll see in the little diagram. We've got the outer court. Then we've got the tent itself with two parts. We've got the holy place and the most holy place. And really, the burden of this message is this. God wants to take us on a journey of encounter where we go deeper with the Lord and we meet with him in a greater way than we've ever known before, either individually or collectively as a church. Anyone up for that? And so I want to take us, I want to be like your tour guide, if you like, or like a weatherman. I want to take you on a, on, on a tour through the tabernacle. And, and just a bit of a kind of clarity here. We're going to be looking at some physical items. You know, we're going to look at a lampstand and an altar. And you think, well, why are we spending all this time in the Old Testament? You know, all of Scripture is designed to help us. And so in the New Testament, those physical symbols actually speak to us of spiritual realities. And as we were praying and preparing, a couple of us were just really sensing that we want to use this tabernacle imagery as a way of, as it were, giving us little hooks to help us in a journey of deeper encounter with the Lord. Um, we're going to be, it's the, this teaching is the basis of the, our podcast that I strongly encourage you to download and use for your 24-7 slots. It's going to be the basis of the teaching that we're going to be unpacking more fully this week in the video devotionals. Please download those and be blessed by them. And also, uh, we're going to kind of practice some of this um, on Wednesday night at Touching Heaven. Anyone else looking forward to Touching Heaven? It's going to be absolutely amazing. Don't, don't miss out. So, um, and just before we, we go on the journey, a couple of things. The tabernacle points to the, Hebrews 9 says, to the greater reality of what's in heaven. But also, if you look at the rest of the New Testament, the tabernacle and the fact of God dwelling in and amongst his people points to the greater reality that God doesn't live in a tent anymore or even a temple. He lives in living people, living temples. That's us. So God dwells in us by his spirit. Why don't we just thank him for that incredible grace gift that we have, the indwelling of God. So as we begin our journey of encounter, first we come to the outer courts. We come to the outer courts. And this is an invitation to start our journey as we remember the goodness of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't, when I come to my prayer time, I don't always feel ready for a deep encounter with the Lord. Anyone else? You know, there may be stuff going on. I may be being distracted by why Man City failed to win yesterday. You know, things really kind of, no, silly little things, but big things can mean that I'm, I don't, when I come, I'm not like, oh, I'm ready. Now, because of the blood of Jesus, we don't have to go through these, we can just have an encounter with God anytime. But God knows we're human. And so God, I believe, gives us 
this picture of the outer court to help us, as it were, begin to draw near. And so the first thing we need to do is, just like in the Old Testament, there were gates into the outer court. We need to come, as it were, through the gates of the tabernacle. And what do these gates represent? Well, thankfully, the Bible tells us what they represent. Um, These gates are gates of thanksgiving and gates of praise. Let's say that, thanksgiving and praise. Psalm 140. Four to five says this Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, praise his name. And I love this for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I don't know how you start your day. I like to start my day, you know, essential cup of tea to get me going. Try and wake up and then as quickly as I can without trying to get distracted on other stuff. I like to get to my journal. And the first thing I do that helps me, as it were, in the outer courts to begin to get ready is I actually take time to write down specific things that I'm thankful to God for. It can be simple as, thank you for if I had a decent night's sleep. Thank you for what you did yesterday. Thank you for sensing your presence. Thank you. And, and I, I, I deliberately look back. But what that does... As well as honouring God, it begins to get me ready. Oh, God is good. Yeah, God is active in my life. And so I write down specific, as it were, little thanksgiving. Sometimes it's like a few seconds. Sometimes it's a few minutes. But I I start my day with thanksgiving. Then um, I'll almost always do my Bible reading, maybe a bit more journaling. And then I like to get out. I like to get out walking. It helps me wake up. Um, pretty much in all weathers, all seasons. It was dark this morning. Gosh, aren't the mornings drawing, <laughs> drawing in? And I went for a, uh, my, my kind of prayer walk, and I almost always start this way. Been doing it for over 30 years. Following the teaching of Jesus. How does Jesus say we'd approach God? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or praise be your name. So I like to take time to hallow or praise the names of God. More of that in the devotional tomorrow. And this morning, I just found myself focusing on one of the names of God, one of the compound names of God, Yahweh Shammah, which literally means the Lord is there. And I started praising God. Thank you, Lord, that you're you're, you're always here. Thank you, Lord, that you're present in my life. Thank you, Lord, that you're gonna be present today in our services. Thank you, Lord, as we meet, as I teach, as we worship, you're gonna be present. Thank you, Lord, that you're here to bless us with your presence. Guess what happened? My kind of, well, my faith levels were just, just by simply hallowing the name of God. And that's true. Whatever I'm going through, he is always present. Amen. And so thanksgiving and praise. That then prepares us to, as it were, enter into the presence of God. We go into the outer courts with um, thanksgiving and praise. And then we come to the first, as it were, piece of furniture, which is what's known as the brazen altar. Now, in the original tabernacle, this brazen altar, the Old Testament worshippers would come and bring, they would have to bring animal sacrifices, as it were, for a, as a substitute in payment for their sins. Well, I've got good news for you. We don't have to come to a brazen altar and we don't have to bring sacrifices. Aren't you glad about that? We come to the altar of the cross 
where we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago shed his blood. He is the Lamb of God. He shed his blood that we might be forgiven and be made righteous and set free for all eternity. And so I don't come to the brazen altar for sacrifice. I come to make declaration and, and, and praise that Jesus Christ has paid for it all. And so the, the, what is the brazen altar? Yeah, amen, let's thank him for that. So the brazen altar is symbolized our redemption through the blood. And so, you know, again, depending on what's going in your life, you know, right now for me, it's more of an effort. I have to put on joy. I have to remind myself what, what, what Jesus has eternally done. But as I do, it gives me opportunity to thank God for his goodness. I, I often like to take things like Psalm uh, 100 and three, wonderful. The psalmist is sort of stirring himself up. He obviously needs a bit of encouragement in the outer courts. He says, praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. He's getting himself happy in the Lord, amen. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. And then I love these declarations. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases, who redeems my life from the pit, crowns me with love and compassion, who satisfies my desire with good things. And depending on how old you are right now, this is really good news. So that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Something, but that declaration, you see, I'm coming to the brazen altar. And we can come to the brazen altar and we can just thank God for what he's done and for who we are in him and his blessings. See how, even just as I'm, there's a sense we're moving nearer now. We've, we've come with thanksgiving and praise. We're, we're reminding ourselves of the cross and the redemption. Then we come to the next part of the tabernacle. Right behind the um, brazen altar is the bronze laver. Now this laver would have been, was made from women's mirrors and it was filled with water. And this was the point where the priests, before they could enter in, to the, net, the actual tabernacle itself, as it were, to the, the ho, uh, holy place, they had to wash themselves. They had to wash their face, their hands, and their feet. And just like they had to wash themselves physically, so we need, as it were, get washed spiritually, ready to enter into the presence of God. What do we need to get cleansed from? Well, we need cleansing from sin. He said, hold on a minute, haven't we just been to the brazen altar where our, the price for our sin was being paid? Absolutely. And because of the blood of Jesus, you and I are eternally righteous and accepted before God. Amen. There's a difference between the penalty of sin that's been paid for and the fact that even though we are righteous before God, how many of you are just me, still got issues that God's dealing with? So even though I've been a Christian for over three decades and I'm a whole lot better than I was back then, I know that sometimes there's areas, attitudes and adjustments the Lord has to make. And this is an opportunity for us not to be condemned by our present sin. Don't, don't let guilt or shame or condemnation keep you out of the presence of God. Come before him and confess it and get cleansed. Sometimes I find that I'm not always kind of aware of where I'm at. And then I read the word, as it were, and it acts like a mirror. And I think, okay, Lord, I need to sort this out. Other times I find really helpful to pray Psalm 139. Uh, God loves to answer this prayer, by the way. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And sometimes the Lord will show me things and then I can confess it and get cleansed. Now, I love these outer court practices because... They're not only things that help me, as it were, get ready to encounter the Lord, but they're also practices, because we live in the world of 
wars and famines and jobs and cost of living and family and all kinds of stuff going on all around us. These outer court practices, you don't have to wait for, as it were, your set time. You can adopt these at any time. I, I like it in the middle of a day, maybe in between meetings. I like to go out and have a little Thanksgiving break. Or if I'm aware of an attitude, I like to just, I don't wait until I get to, to my prayer time to confess myself. Sorry, Lord, for my attitude. Please forgive me. And we move on. We get ready. Amen. So in one sense, we never outgrow the outer court. But here's the point I want to get to, which is we mustn't stay in the outer court. We need to move on to the next part, which is the tabernacle itself, the tent proper. We're called to go into the holy place. Now this holy place is where we begin, as it were, to move into the actual tabernacle itself. So what does the holy place represent? If the outer courts is an opportunity, as it were, to remember the goodness of God, in the holy place, I believe this is a place where God calls us to enjoy deeper intimacy, to enjoy intimacy with God. Now, I'm conscious here that some of you, you may not know God at all, and I'm so looking forward in a short while to give you an opportunity to come and draw near and receive Christ. But others of you, you may have been a Christian for a while or even just recently, but you're conscious, you, you, you've been a little bit on, as it were, in the outer courts. Maybe you've never really learned how to develop intimacy with God. Others of you may say, I remember a season. You look back to a day, that's when I enjoyed intimacy of God and maybe this last season maybe even this last two and a half years you've been conscious that rather than getting closer to God you've been as it were withdrawing well I believe this is an amazing opportunity for all of us to go deeper with God again and enjoy close intimacy with him amen and even if you're doing well how many know there's always more with God so I want to call us in call you in as it were through the outer courts into the holy place and the great news is that God has given us certain, as it were, ways to enjoy intimacy. And they're all represented here in the holy place. There are three articles. The first one is we come into the <clears throat> holy place and we come to the lampstand. Now the thing to notice about the, one of the big differences between the outer court and the holy place. In the outer court you had natural light from the sky, from the sun. But when you enter into the holy place... The only light that shines comes from the lampstand. The lampstand has to be lit and stay lit if we're, as it were, going to navigate our way through the holy place. So what does this represent? I believe that this represents this sevenfold lampstand that was lit with seven, as it were, candles or lamps, represents the illumination of the Holy Spirit. It represents the fact that we cannot go on in our walk with God without a dynamic, intimate, close relationship with, fellowship with, and infilling of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. It's just impossible. God, did, God didn't design us to make all this up on our own. We can't operate without the glorious third person of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's with us. He's in our midst. <laughs> He's been with us for the last 34 years. We couldn't have done anything without the glorious, wonderful person of the Holy Spirit. I just want us to thank the Holy Spirit for all that He's done in our lives and in our midst over so many years and in those days it's got seven kind of lamps and I, I think it's quite helpful there's Isaiah 11 verse 2 we see here the Holy Spirit and it's almost like seven different aspects of the Holy Spirit it talks about him being the spirit of the Lord 
He's the spirit of wisdom and of understanding. He's the spirit of counsel and might. He's the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And there's lots we could say about the Holy Spirit. That's a whole sermon series in itself. But here I just want to notice the Holy Spirit brings illumination or revelation to our lives. And in particular, he sheds light on the next article in the, in the tabernacle, which is the table of showbread. Now, the table of showbread um, had six loaves on it. It had, um, uh, sorry, tw- 12 loaves, six and six representing God's eternal provision for his people. In that context, it would have been the 12 tribes of Israel. But if we look forward to the New Testament, Jesus comes and he starts making statements like, I am the bread of life. Whoever feeds on me will never grow hungry. And so when we come to the table of showbread, if the Holy Spirit is represented by the lampstand, I believe here that this table of showbread represents the opportunity for you and me to go deeper in feeding on Christ. The the, the Jesus who lives in us by his Holy Spirit can get close to us. How do we feed on Christ? What does that mean? He's not physically, we're not literally to eat his flesh, obviously, but we can feed on him firstly spiritually as we take communion. We're gonna be doing that in a short while. But I believe the other primary way we can feed on Christ in a daily basis is, is by feeding on his word. Now, when I talk about his word, of course, the word of God is the Bible. And we need to regularly immerse ourselves in the Bible. But I believe this table of showbread is more than just reading the Bible. It's actually feeding on a living word from the Bible that Jesus brings to us and quickens to our spirit that becomes, as it were, life to us and sustains us in a particular situation. A few days before my mum died, it's actually three days before, I had a previous phone call from my dad. Again, he was, in, he was in tears and my mum hadn't been well for a while. She'd been undergoing treatment and a um, bit of a shock to find out that they were going to have to stop the treatment and we learned that basically her condition was, was uh, incurable. In other words, she'd only had, they thought at the time, months to live, not three days. And so for me, the grieving process started three days beforehand. And when you hear news like that... <laughs> You know, can I say it's okay to grieve? It's a natural thing to do. And, you know, and so I wasn't holding in the tears. I was like just a wreck. And Karen was with me at the time. And I said, I don't know what to do. I was in a complete daze. And I said, I, I just need to go out and walk because that that's, solves a lot of stuff for me, going walking. I said, I probably need to go and drive because I can't really walk around the village because I'm looking like an absolute stake. I thought, but I don't trust myself to drive. So I walked out anyway. I wasn't going out, at least I thought, on a prayer walk. I was just going out. I thought it was just going to be a, a time just to grieve and just to process some of the shock of, of what I'd just heard. But you know, God is so kind. Within, I'm sure it was no more than five minutes, suddenly, these words came from the inside. It wasn't like a a voice at my head. It was a voice from within my spirit by the Holy Spirit that I've got to know. I wasn't thinking about the Bible at all, but these words that were sown in my heart came up from within. Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? And immediately, see, I I knew that, that the context of that wasn't about 
a miracle that that would be a miracle for mum. There's an even greater miracle. This is in the context, that those words, at the end of the glorious chapter on the resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which talks about how at the end of the age, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to destroy death once and for all. There's going to be a resurrection of all those who put their faith in him. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where, O oh, death, is your victory? And I tell you, I was expecting to have a devastating walk. Of course, there's pain and there's grief and there still is for all of us. But I want to tell you, that word brought such comfort to my heart. I thought, we may be struggling. Mum's just doing fine. Thank you very much. Right now in her soul and her spirit, she's with the Lord. And then on the final day, she's going to be part of the resurrection from the dead. She's going to have a new body and we're going to see her. Glory to God. That word was like a, a rhema. I, I was at the table of showbread and God fed me. And I, I really believe, I'm sharing that because I believe that God has some rhemas for a number of you over these next 21 days. Right into the midst of your, and it may be a word of comfort. It may be a word of hope or healing. Or it may be a word, just like in Acts 13, a word of fresh commissioning and opportunity. Let's be open to the living word of Christ over these next 21 days. Amen. So we get illuminated by the Spirit. We feed ourselves on Christ. That, and then we're kind of, we come and we're kind of ready for the next um, part of the, the journey, which is we come to the altar of incense. This is different to the brazen altar, which was there for sacrifice. This altar of incense was uh, smaller and higher. And this was where the priests were called to burn incense. And I love the detail every morning and every evening, every evening, every morning. This altar was placed directly before the veil, right before the, the most holy place. You say, what does that mean? Well, the good news is the Bible tells us what it means. Because it, basically, it's the place of intercessory prayer. Because in Revelation chapter 5, we see the worshippers, they, they're carrying a harp symbolizing worship. But it also says they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Now I'm glad that we don't, as it, as it were, have to burn incense today before the Lord, because right now your prayers and your cries of intercession are going before the throne of God. They're like a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. You know, the Lord loves to partner with his people by the Holy Spirit. He loves it when you, you're really in the Spirit and you're not just praying for your needs, but you're interceding for your family, for your friends, for your workplace. You're saying, oh God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let there be a breakout of heaven. Our cities need you, Lord. Our nation needs you. Let there be an outpouring of revival on the earth and you're, you start praying beyond yourself. You're at, the, you're at the altar of incense and it's like, sweet aroma and somehow there's almost like God responds to the incense of our prayers and he brings down his presence and breakthrough and I believe right now over these next 21 days as well as many other things there's going to be a fresh outpouring of intercessory prayer and we're going to get caught up in the plans and purposes of God we're going to say your will be done your kingdom come in our world today amen and if you run out of things to say in your own language start praying in tongues because <laughs> you can pray amazing prayers before the Lord. So you say, this is a call to intimacy. How many are ready to go deeper with the Lord? You're ready to get fresh infilling of the Spirit. If you've never been filled with the Spirit, come to Touching Heaven. We'd love to pray for you. 
You need a rhema. You need to feed on Christ. You want to, as it were, go deeper with the Lord in prayer. You say, well, is there any more? <laughs> Can there be any more than that? I mean, that sounds amazing. We haven't actually come to the final part of the tabernacle, which is the most holy place. Sometimes it's called the holy of holies. Same, same thing, most holy place, holy of holies. Let me just remind you how holy this place was. In the original tabernacle, and we'll see in Solomon's temple, it was so holy that the most holy place was separated from the activity of the priest in the holy place by a massive veil. And only one person once a year could enter in to the most holy place, and that was the high priest. And unlike the outer court that had the light of the sun or the holy place that had the light from the lampstand, if you'd go into the most holy place, it would have been completely dark unless God manifest himself with the brightness of his glory and his presence. That was the only light. And so the most holy place is an invitation for us to go deeper and to begin to experience the manifest presence or the glory of God. I'm going to talk more about the glory of God in a couple of weeks' time. But right now, I just simply want to say that we no longer have to stay in the outer courts. We don't even have to remain in the holy place because now there is a way in to the holy of holies that is not just for a priest once a year. It's available for all God's people anytime, any day, wherever they are. The way is now open because 2,000 years ago as Jesus was dying on the cross, literally as he was dying on the cross, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom as if God's saying, I'm not going to stay in this temple anymore. My presence is going to break out amongst my people. And by the way, there is access so that my people can come before me into the very holy of holies. How awesome is that? And that's at the heart of what we're believing for over these next 21 days. Hebrews 10, 19, 22 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us, here's the invitation, draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. What an invitation, these 21 days, to come deeper before the presence of God. So we come to the final piece of tabernacle furniture. Again, going to be looking more at this over the next couple of weeks. And it's the Ark of the Covenant. This was the most holy symbol of all. Some of you may have seen it in Raiders of the Lost Ark. What a great film, by the way. Covered with gold, cherubim over the top, the mercy seat. This symbolized the presence of God, the awesome, holy, glorious presence of God. You say, well, do we come to an ark now? No, if you look at the book of Revelation, there's not an ark there. 
Instead, there's a throne. And on that throne, God our Father, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who who is eternal, he's the Alpha and Omega, sits on that throne and Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, sits at his right hand and the Holy Spirit, the sevenfold spirit is there. And we have the invitation not to come to an ark anymore, but to come before the throne of God and to do what they're doing in Revelation, which is to take our eyes off ourselves, to take our eyes off our, our issues and our needs. We've prayed about things, but the number one thing we're called to do is we're called to engage in throne room worship. And that's what I believe the Lord wants to draw us into. I'd like to ask the band to come back. We are gonna draw near to the very throne of God and do what they're doing in heaven right now, which is, I believe, like never before, God wants us to call us into, not just the outer courts, he wants to call us into the holy place, he wants to call us to encounter him in his glory, and like the heavenly beings, we're called to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb who is slain, blessing and honour and glory and power belongs to our God forever and ever, and as we draw near to him, He's going to draw near to us in Jesus' name. So will you stand please and would you like to